at Psalms 46 this morning. It's a great uh, psalm to read straight after a wonderful prayer time. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give away, give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar and kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Praise the Lord. Good morning. As we come to uh, God's word, let's, let's pray. Our God, we do praise you for your word that you have spoken to us and that these words that we hear are such wonderful words of reassurance and hope. We pray that we would have our, our hearts lifted as we consider what you have to say. We pray that we would find our refuge in you and in you alone through all the trials and troubles of this life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Beck, my wife and I have a hard decision to make for next year. It's a decision that not too long ago didn't seem like it would be difficult, but recent things have suddenly made it hard. Where will we send our kids to school? We've always thought that we'd send our kids to public school. That's where I went and it was perfectly fine. If we discovered later that our kids needed to be in a different environment, then we would consider moving them to a private or to a Christian school. Homeschooling wasn't on the agenda. But that's all changed with the introduction of the Safe Schools program. This program, which claims to be an anti-bullying program, confuses kids when it comes to gender and sexuality. It doesn't just kids, uh, teach kids to, to be kind and respectful to people, no matter who they are, no matter uh, how different they are. It teaches that, that other sexualities are perfectly normal and acceptable, to be accepted without question. And that people can, uh, can identify as a gender that is different to their biology. Any other opinion is bigoted and hateful 
and outdated. And so this is a dilemma for us. We believe that God has made people male and female and that it's biology, not feelings, which determine gender. We believe that God has made sexuality and that anything outside of God's design of uh, sex within uh, heterosexual marriage, that anything outside of that is forbidden. And so we have a dilemma. Which school will we send our kids to? Will it be as bad as we fear? Now you might think that this is overreacting, but to me it feels like an attack on the Christian understanding of sex and gender, normalising what God has forbidden and demonising those who disagree. It makes me wonder what will happen in the next 10 or 20 years. Imagine this. A girl with Christian parents has been exposed to this program during her entire school life. She's confused about what she's hearing. She's conflicted between what she's hearing from school and what she's hearing from church. And one day, she speaks out. She feels like a boy inside a girl's body. And so she wants to change her body so that her body looks like what she feels She wants uh, hormone treatment. She wants surgery. And her parents, who believe that it's God who has given us our bodies, that God has determined what our gender would be at our conception, they say no. They want to help her. They, They want her to have therapy so that she can work through that confusion. The day is coming, I'm sure of it, when that response will be considered child abuse. Already there is a law in Canada that could be interpreted that way. That refusing to recognise what your child believes about their gender is child abuse. And of course, if it's child abuse, then that child needs to be removed from the home, don't they? This is one of my fears for the future, that parents who hold to a Christian understanding of of gender and of sexuality, because of that belief, will have their children taken from them. But it's not only parents who are under threat. How long will it be before bosses expect their employees to sign up to a diversity policy which says that you agree with things like same-sex marriage? What will happen if you don't sign it? Will you lose any chance of promotion? Be demoted. Be fired. I don't want to focus exclusively on gender and sexuality here, but those are the flashpoints in the battle of our society with, uh, against Christians. I'm worried that this is where our society is headed. I'm worried. Have you experienced yourself Attacks from the world because you're a Christian. Ridiculed because you're so outdated, bigoted, hateful. Are you scared to speak out because you're convinced that that's what will happen? Are you worried? Well, in the midst of our fears, we need Psalm 46. 
we need to know that while it feels like all the world is against us, we have a God who protects us and who keeps us safe. Psalm 46 tells us when we're afraid, find refuge in God. And verses 1 to 7 gives us the first reason that we can find refuge in God. Because God is our ever-present help. Verses 1 to 3, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. To us scared and worried people, Psalm 46 speaks with a sure and calm voice. These words are no cliché. Psalm 46 gives us a firm foundation to stand on. And if you don't know God, but you want solid ground to stand on during the trials of, of life, then listen to this psalm. Listen to Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Don't you find those words comforting? In our fears and distress, through the pressures of this world, we have a sure hope, God himself. When the world attacks with hatred and misunderstanding, when it feels as if the ground beneath us is about to give way, we can find refuge in God. In him, we are safe and secure. He is always with us, there to help us in our troubles. And it's this knowledge that God is our ever-present help, which is why the psalmist can say in verses 2 to 3, Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, knowing that God is our ever-present help gives the psalmist confidence and hope for the future, even while he struggles against the world that's against him, against the world which feels as powerful and threatening as earthquakes and mountains moved and mighty waves of chaotic waters. Notice what the psalm doesn't say. It doesn't say that the waves stop because God is our refuge and strength. It doesn't say that nothing is damaged, that everything works out in this life because of God. No, this life will be full of pain and hardship and trial. People will hate us and slander us. They will reject us. But it does promise that we have nothing to fear. Whatever happens to us, if we have God as our ever-present help, we will be safe no matter what comes. God is not our refuge from trouble, but he is our refuge in trouble. 
and that's an important difference. But how does it work? How is God our ever-present help in trouble? What about people like Lee Jones, an IT specialist and a Christian? He was fired from his job because after he had been given the task of working on the Safe Schools program, he expressed some concerns about it. He was still willing to do the job, but that wasn't good enough. He mentioned that he didn't want his own kids, or he wouldn't want his own kids, to be taught some of the more controversial aspects of the program. And because of that, he was fired. How can God be our ever-present help when we have family who think that it's child abuse to teach the Bible to our kids, to read the Bible with them? I know someone in that situation. Or when we're mocked because we won't see that movie. Or when we won't go to that bachelor party because we know what will be involved. Or when we're at uni and the lecturer is trying to shame us and ridicule us because of what we believe. What can God do for us then? How can he be our ever-present help? Verses 4 to 7. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And now we see what the symbolic storms and and earthquakes of verses 1 to 3 were pointing towards. It's not spelled out here, but you get the impression that the city of God, Jerusalem, is under siege. Enemy nations have come, eager for her downfall, ready to laugh and mock as Jerusalem suffers defeat. And so it's no wonder that Jerusalem, that the city of God, is so glad about water. In the days without taps, when you're surrounded by the enemy, you can't go outside the walls to get anything, not even water, and so you are reliant on what you have within the walls. And Jerusalem had a pretty good deal when it came to water. God was with them in their struggle. He was their ever-present help in the midst of the wild and chaotic waters which symbolise the threats of the nations around them. There is a soft, flowing river. While they struggle with the siege and all the horror that uh, it could bring, they will not fear. They will not fall. God is with her, symbolised by the temple where they can pour out their fears and their requests, and they can find uh, refreshing, becoming confident in the provision of God. Why can we find refuge in God? Because he is our ever-present help. How is he our ever-present help? Because he gives us what we need. Jerusalem had water. But what does God give us? How does he help us now while we go through trouble and face the scorn of this world? 
God helps us in too many ways to count. His word, Jesus' example, our church family. But let's just focus on one thing, one aspect that God gives us. He gives us himself. Jerusalem was the place that God dwelt, verse 4. God was within her, verse 5, because the temple was there. And we have God with us now because we are the temple of God. God's spirit dwells in us. And he is the guarantee of what God has promised us. He helps us in our weakness as we groan through our struggles. The spirit metaphorically groans, praying for us to the Father, praying that we would stand firm and that God would achieve his purpose through our suffering. When we're hurting so much that we, we can't even think about what to pray, when the sobs won't even let the words out of our mouths, we have the Spirit of God praying for us. And this is wondrous help. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. This is no cliché. God was with his people in Jerusalem, giving them what they needed, and God is truly with us by his Spirit. Just think, incredibly, it is... God the Spirit, who prays to God the Father for us. He is a true help. Verse 6 gives us hope that the momentary battles and struggles, that they're all under God's power. Just, he just needs to speak, and all those against us melt. Notice in verse 5 that God's city doesn't fall despite the ragings of the world, but at God's voice, the kingdoms fall. The earth melts. When we're terrified by the world and what it wants to teach our kids and what it threatens to do to us, Psalm 46 encourages us to make God our refuge because he is our ever-present help. The hope of verse 6 and the summary of verse 7 leads us to verses 8 to 11. The psalmist says to find refuge in God because God will bring peace. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. And shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. While verse 6 points to the defeat of enemies in this life, in these final verses, we see God's ultimate victory and our ultimate salvation. Verse 6 pictured those surrounding Jerusalem melting at God's voice. But from verse 8, we zoom out to see what God will do at the end of time all over the world. And to us frightened people, 
the psalmist says, come, come and see the works of the Lord. See what he'll do. Not only to, to those who are immediately threatening you, but to all the people who war and rage. We look at the news each day and we see wars that rage. Syria, Ukraine, the terrorism in Europe and in Africa. And even in Australia we have battles. Some of them are more sophisticated, sure, but still battles. A war of slander and ridicule between the coalition and Labor. The battles on the roads that we drive on every day. And the tension, hostility and sometimes even the evil violence that we sometimes experience in our own homes. Don't you long for world peace? It's the stereotypical Miss Universe statement, isn't it? But we do long for those bad guys to stop trying to hold on to power in that war or to stop trying to gain power. We long for cooperation instead of name-calling. We long for gracious forgiveness instead of the desire for revenge. The psalmist encourages us to watch the works of the Lord. And what will he do? He will bring desolations on the earth. He brings judgment so that he can bring peace. He doesn't try and gently persuade the world to put their weapons down. He forces the world, he forces the wars to stop by destroying the weapons of war. In our troubles, we can find refuge in God because he brings peace. God brings peace and he'll do it by bringing judgment on the violence. And this won't just happen on the global scale. It'll also happen in our homes. Many of you uh, may have seen in this past week the news of domestic violence amongst Christians. According to the report that started it all, supposedly conservative Christian men who attend church sporadically have high rates of committing domestic violence. Now, fair or not, the issue has been raised in the world and stories have been told of women in, in church who have been abused by their husbands and tragically not finding support from their church. Whether the report was right about the numbers or not, there are people who suffer the reality of war in their homes. Now, I hope and trust that there is no one here violent or abusive. I look around and I just simply cannot imagine it amongst our church family. But I don't want to be naive either. And so if you have ever been violent with your wife or your husband or your children, I want you to read verse 10 with me and really understand it. Be still and know that I am God. Many people think that this is a 
quite a nice verse telling me to sit down and quietly contemplate God. And if that's the type of verse that you're after, can I suggest Psalm 100, verse 3? But note this verse right here is actually saying something quite different. Because in the psalm, the audience has changed for a moment. And now it is talking to the warmongers, to, to those violent people who will be overthrown by God. He says to the person who raises his voice in anger, shut your mouth. Put down your fists. This isn't a nice whispered assurance, but this is like Jesus when he told the raging storm, quiet, be still. If you yell and scream and throw fists at home, be still. And know that he is God. He will bring judgment on the violent because he wants the world and he wants your home to be full of peace. God will not tolerate violence. And neither will this church. And when there is peace, God will be exalted in the earth, praised by the people that he has saved. The psalm ends by turning back to the sufferer in verse 11. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is so real to the psalmist. He found refuge in God. And so should we. He knew in verses 1 to 7 that God is an ever-present help in trouble. And in verses 8 to 11 that God will bring peace. Psalm 46 doesn't deny reality. We're not supposed to imagine the pain away when we suffer persecution for our faith or from some other violence. Though we groan through our suffering, we can trust that one day, one day, there will be peace. But how can we find refuge in God? We want him to be our ever-present help. We want to experience the peace that he will bring. So how? How can he be our refuge? Only by coming to Jesus Christ. Psalm 2 tells us, kiss the Son. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Come to Jesus Christ. Love him. Submit to him. Nothing else will save you. You won't find a secure refuge in money. The stock market certainly won't help. Neither will insurance. Your friends and family, all of them can disappoint you. And they might even turn against you. They aren't a sure refuge in the wars and the battles of this life. Come to him. Come to him through all the dangers. Repent of your violence, your hostility towards God and towards his people. Turn from your sin and be blessed as you come to him by taking refuge in Jesus Christ. For those of us who have taken refuge, hold on to him. Don't forget that he is your refuge. It's so easy to forget. I forget all the time. It is so easy to lie awake at night, consumed with fear and worry, 
to feel overwhelmed and helpless through persecution and trial. But when we feel that way, we need to turn to him in prayer. He is our refuge. Remember, he is an ever-present help in trouble. Trouble will come. Paul said that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But he is an ever-present help. And one day God will bring peace. So find refuge in God. Through all the hardships and trials and through all the fears about the future, find refuge in God. Let's pray. Now, Father, how wonderful it is that we can have firm ground to stand upon, that because we know you, because you provide for us in our need, because we know that one day you'll bring peace, that we can find a sure hope, we can find in you a sure refuge through the trials of life. As we struggle through fear and worry, may we turn to you. May we rest on you and on your promises. May we, may we rejoice in all that you will do and all that you are doing, even now, providing for us through the hardships of life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.